right, thank you very much, Corey ladies. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to our verse that we've been quoting for the last, oh, probably six or eight weeks, something like that. 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 7 and 8. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 through 8. Use this as a springboard and get right into the message here this evening. Let's all stand together, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. Those that are out in your cars, you're ex exempted tonight, okay? <laughs> you try to stand up in your car, and that's going to be a painful experience. So 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verses 7 and 8, let's, let's read it together out loud in unison. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I, I want to thank you so much for the fact that you have not given us a spirit of fear. You've, you've given us victory over fear, but you, and you've given us uh, power and love and a sound mind since we trusted Christ as Savior. Lord, I, I think about the way my mind was set before I got saved and then how you changed, not just in salvation, but after salvation, uh, there was a lot of things that changed in my life and the way that I looked at things because of the Spirit of God and because of the Bible and because of the influence that you had upon my life. I, I'm thankful for that. And God, I'm, I'm thankful that, that uh, we can see your power manifested in our lives uh, as we respond properly to the things that you bring into our lives. And so many times, and this is what we're going to look at tonight, and so many times it's through the afflictions and it's through the problems and the difficulties that as we respond properly, your power uh, becomes more and more evident in our lives. We pray, Father, your blessing upon this time together. We pray that you would show us things from your word and reinforce some things, possibly, God, that we already know. But God, just strengthen us f through the word of God and, and speak to our hearts tonight. And as you speak to us, May it be our desire that we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. I'm preaching tonight on, on the, uh, the subject of uh, strength from weakness and power from testing. Strength from weakness and power from testing. We, we just read two verses that uh, had to do with the fact that God has not given us the spirit of fear. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. God tells us we ought to fear him, and we fear him, and when we fear him properly, all those other spirits of fear are gone. Uh, they, they take off. Why? Well, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and uh, then he goes on to say, but he's given us power, he's given us love, and he's given us a sound mind. Now, that's true of all, all safe people. 
everyone who is saved has been has, has been been given power they've been given love and they've been given a, a sound mind the question i want to ask you tonight is are those three things evident in your life when people see you do they see power do they see love and do they see a sound mind well i think the key to the whole thing is down in verse 8 be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our lord nor of me his prisoner but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of god when when we respond properly to the afflictions the power comes when we respond properly to the afflictions god gives us that power and gives us that strength now one of the things that I've, I've noticed, I've observed as, as I've read through my Bible and as I've just lived the Christian life, have you ever noticed that oftentimes God uses and chooses the most unlikely people to do his work? Uh, I've, 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 I've seen it in, in Scripture. I've seen it in life. In fact, uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and verses uh, 13 and 14, if you'd look at those verses with me. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, now Peter and John were two of the apostles, two of the disciples of Jesus, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They weren't extremely, they weren't educated men. They weren't extremely uh, smarter, intelligent men. But they marveled at him because being, spending time with Jesus showed in their lives. And the truth of the matter is you and I spend time with Jesus Christ and it'll show Regardless of whether or not you've got much learning, regardless of, of how smart you may or may not be. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this, this passage of scripture is, is, is a favorite with me because honestly it gives me hope. It, and, I'm, and I mean that with all my heart. I really do. It really does give me hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want you to look with me in verses 26 down through uh, verse 29. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. That's me. To confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things, that's me, of the world, to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. And then verse 29, he says, that no flesh should glory in his presence. In other words, when it's all said and when it's all done, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that gets the honor and the glory. What does he use? He uses foolish, weak, base, and despised. And through that, he gets the honor and he gets the glory when people see that, that those folks 
has spent time in Jesus with Jesus, and he has made a real marked difference in their, in their lives. Um, you, you see examples of this in Scripture. Uh, when God chose the, the first king over Israel, he chose Saul. And Saul, uh, when, he was, when he was first king and when he was first chosen, he was least in his father's house. He, he was uh, least of the tribe of Benjamin. And the tribe of Benjamin was the smallest tribe. And one of the reasons why Saul had a problem with it was, was because he said, listen, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing. Uh, what in the world would you choose me for? Well, that's exactly why he chooses somebody like Saul, because when Saul was responding properly to God, uh, they, it was obvious, it was evident in his life. Uh, however, when he went wrong was when he ceased to, uh, to, to be humble before God, and he began to think, too much of himself, and that was his downfall. Another one that, that uh, I think of is, is Gideon. Gideon was the, was the, the, the one who, who was hiding in a wine press, and uh, uh, he, was, he was beating down some meal, uh, and, and, and he would, but he was hiding. He was hiding, hiding from the enemy, and uh, God called him. And when God called him, again, he was the least in his father's house, and, and the house was a very, very poor house. And, and uh, he did not see himself as, as being the, the proper choice, but God did. Because God saw the potential that was in his, his life if he responded properly to God. Now there is a, there is a pattern that I have found that's in scripture and it's, it, I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in, in the lives of others. <clears throat> This is a pattern that, that, that uh, uh, the Holy Spirit follows when a person trusts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. The first, the first thing that happens is when a person gets saved, the Bible says that that person gets sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Spirit of God comes in, seals that individual, and, and because they have trusted him by faith, uh, they, they, are, they are sealed unto the day of redemption. One of the reasons why I believe in eternal security, in the fact that you cannot lose your salvation, is that the Bible says it's the Spirit of God who sealed it and sealed your soul. And in Philippians chapter 1, it says that, that he'll keep us unto the day of redemption. And, and uh, that's, that's God's job to keep us. It's not our job to keep us. It's God's job. But he seals us. And then secondly, he fills us. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That is a command. And it's the Spirit of God who fills us. By the way, you get filled the same way you got sealed. You got sealed when you trusted God by faith. You get filled when you trust God by faith to lead, guide, and direct your life on a day-by-day -day basis. And, and uh, uh, when, when the Spirit of God fills you, all that simply means is He controls you. And you, you have by faith allowed Him to do that. Uh, when we say he was filled with joy, 
Uh, what are we saying? We're saying, well, all of his actions were controlled by the fact that he was joyful. If we say, oh, that guy was filled with anger, what are we saying? <laughs> We're saying that everything he did was controlled by the fact that he was hot as a pistol. <laughs> you know, he was, he was angry. And uh, uh, so filled just simply means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. And again, that's by faith. But then the next thing that happens, not only does God seal us, and he, then he fills us as we trust him, but then thirdly, he tests us. He tests us. And it is so important that we respond properly to those tests. Uh, that's why it's important that we, we thank God for the testing that God brings our way, that we rejoice in it, that we obey scripture. And again, we do it by faith. When, when uh, uh, curveballs get thrown into your life, your life gets thrown for a curve, You're, you, you end up, well, what, eight weeks ago, something like that, uh, we, this whole thing started. Oh, nobody, I mean, we, really, we didn't see it coming. Maybe some folks saw it coming a couple weeks before, but not probably to the extent of where, where this thing is today with all the lockdowns in the various states. And some of the states are, uh, that were least affected by it are, are, are uh, uh, loosening their and, and loosening the regulations and opening up the state. But we didn't see this thing coming. But, but it is so important that we respond properly to it. And uh, again, you do it by faith. You say, what in the world is God doing? I don't know, but he does. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I don't know what he's doing. He, he might be doing something in your life. He, you might be going through a different kind of test right now. And you say, what in the world is God doing? Well, you might not know, but God knows perfectly well. And what he wants us to do is to accept it and trust him and do so by faith. As we respond properly, then the next thing the Spirit of God does is he gives you power in your life that you didn't have before. He gives you victory in your life that you didn't have before. And that all, that all comes through the, through the proper response to the testing. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, <clears throat> to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and here we see the pattern, see the pattern uh, true in the life of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4, and I want us to read the first uh, 14 verses. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. All right, so he's full of the Spirit of God, and he's being led by the Spirit of God. He goes into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of, of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the, the devil, taking him up into a high, high mountain, sh showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. 
And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the, of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou, thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Notice verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And then verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And again, we see this pattern. He's full of the Holy Spirit. He's led by the Spirit, then he's tested, and then after he responds properly, and the proper response was, it is written, it is written, it is written, and he did not bend or bow to Satan at all, then power, in verse 14, is given unto him, and after that power, then he goes and he ministers. We see this, we see this in the, the church at Thessalonica. Go with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians 1 verses, if you look at me beginning in, in verse 4, it says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men you were among you for your sake. So there was power given to them. There was assurance. They were led of the Spirit of God. But then we go to verse 6. It says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. In other words, they responded properly to the affliction. Verse 7, so that you are in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Uh, they, they were afflicted, they responded with joy of the Holy Ghost, and then they were examples, they were in samples to, to, those, to those that uh, were in Achaia and Macedonia. Uh, go with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> Verse 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because it's your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure." Their faith grew exceedingly, and their charity abounded, and that happened because of their patience and their faith during the difficulty. And the Bible says they endured. In other words, because they responded properly to the difficulties, they were more powerful 
on the other side of the difficulty than they were going into the difficulty. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 12 is the account given in the first part of the chapter of after Paul tells about a vision that he had and the fact that he was taken up into the third heaven and he saw some things that he could not repeat. Uh, he, the Lord uh, responded to him because of the fact that uh, he could easily get puffed up. Uh, God knew and Paul also knew what his weakness was and that was pride. And so he gave him a thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan to buffet him. And uh, in, in verses 7 through 10, he begins by saying why he got it, because he understood that, he saw that, and then how he responded to it. And lest I should be exalted, verse 7, above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he, he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And then he goes on to say in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. In the, in particularly in that last in that last verse, verse verse ten, he he gives some tests that he had seen personally in his life that God had brought into his life that because he responded properly to those tests. He received more power on the other side of the test. Now, th this is what the, the, the five were. They, were. they were, first of all, infirmities. He, he went through some infirmities. Infirmities can be weaknesses, can be feebleness of mind, or it could be feebleness of body. It could be sickness, could be a handicap, uh, could be a, a medical condition. It could be, you know, it, it could be, uh, a, a, a strong mental stress, but it's an infirmity. Second thing he talked about was, was reproaches. Reproaches are shame and disgrace and contempt by insults and verbal assault and gossip and verbal abuse and ridicule. And, of course, the reproaches that he went through, he went through because he was doing the right thing, because he was standing in the right place, because he was living for God. And then the third one is necessities. Necessities are just simply needs. They're burdens in life. Uh, things that you cannot do without, but they're taken from you. And, uh, you know, Paul talked about that in the book of Philippians. I've, I've learned how to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. Uh, he, he said, listen, I learned how to have much, and I learned how to have, how to have little. And uh, then the fourth thing that he talked about was persecutions. And that's just simply trouble that we encounter because of our stand for Jesus Christ. Uh, I've heard of people of losing position in their jobs because of Christ, of their stand for Christ. 
I've heard of people losing their jobs because of their stand for Jesus Christ. I've heard of, 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 uh, I've heard of, of people having problems in their family and losing friends. Uh, I've seen it. Uh, we had the privilege, when I was out in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, we had the, the and I, I'm going blank, uh, the guy that was over in Bulgaria. Richard Worsham? No, that's not the one. Uh, Harlan Popoff. There we go, Harlan Popoff. Uh, we had the, the privilege of having Brother Popoff in, in our services. He gave his testimony. Uh, this guy went through persecution, and I mean physical persecution. Uh, I can't right now think of the name of his book, but if you can, if you can find it, you can come across it. I would highly recommend you read it. It is, it is a tremendous blessing. And uh, uh, j just listening to what he went through and, 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 and what they did, and believe he was over in Bulgaria at the time, and uh, they accused him of being a spy. Now, he was not a spy. They accused him of being disloyal to the government. He was not disloyal to the government. But he was a preacher who wouldn't quit and stood for God and continued to have services even when they told him not to. And, uh, and he, he, was, he was tortured and he was physically, physically abused, had to stand in front of a white wall without moving for hour upon hour upon hour. And when he began to flinch, they would beat him. And when he finally got to the point where, and they wouldn't feed him, they wouldn't let him use the bathroom facilities, none of those things. And, and uh, when he finally just couldn't take it any longer and he just fell in a, in a lump, what they would do is then they would take him into an infirmary they would nurse him back to health and then put him right back in front of the wall again. And they did that over and over and over again to break him. Now, the truth of the matter is, uh, his testimony was strong before he went into, in, into the Bulgarian prison. But I'll tell you what, the power of his testimony was even greater when he came out because he stood strong and responded right through the test and through the trial. And uh, that's what God wants us to do. He, he has a desire for us to respond rightly. Now the question is, how do we respond rightly? Because a right response in any kind of test, and it, it, again, it, it can run the gamut. It could be anything that's going on uh, in your life that is, is testing your faith and testing your stand for Jesus Christ. What I want to give you tonight is just five simple things that we need to do in order to respond properly to those testings when they come. First thing, if you t turn your Bibles to two different places, one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and the other is Ephesians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And then Ephesians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, look with me down in verse 18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You say, well, when, when is that talking about? That's talking about all the time. In everything, all the time, give thanks. You say, uh, you mean even when I get a flat tire on the highway? Yeah, in a flat tire, give thanks. 
You mean even when I have to go to the hospital because of physical difficulties? Yeah, in the hospital, give thanks. Even when I'm getting a, a flack on the job because I'm, I'm trying to be a witness for Christ? Yes, uh, in the job, give thanks. No matter where you are, in everything, give thanks. Now in Ephesians chapter 5, if you look with me, down to verse 20. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And not only in all things, but for all things. Now that doesn't mean that you re rejoice in evil that happens in your life. But through that evil, God can bring a blessing. I, I've I talked with a man many, many years ago who was most certainly, from what he told me, was abused by his father. And I mean abused. I mean treated horrible by his dad. Now, I don't condone that, and you don't, you don't rejoice in, in the fact that a dad is, not, is provoking his child to wrath. Uh, dad is not fulfilling his responsibility. You don't rejoice in that. But here's what you do rejoice in. You rejoice in what God can bring from it. And so you can thank God for going through that experience because what it produced was. And again, the whole thing depends upon your response. Your response is absolutely crucial. Go with me to, to uh, Philippians 2. Go to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2 Next book in your Bible, if you're in Ephesians, is Philippians. Philippians 2, verses 13 through 16. Philippians 2, 13 through 16. It says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know what that means? It says, don't gossip, don't complain, don't grumble. Don't gripe. Don't be like the children of Israel were in the wilderness. Uh, it's, it, it, and it says, without murmurings and disputings. Don't get into fights over the thing. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I, I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Um, the in verse, uh, verses uh, 13, four, or 13, 15, and 16 are the results of, of having a right attitude and a right response. The thing that can ruin God from doing what he wants to do in your life and working the way that he wants to work in your life is if you do verse 14. If you, if you, if you uh, murmur, if you complain, if you turn the thing into disputings. You know, one of the things that, that, that scares me about, about this, this whole coronavirus thing is Christians going into the murmur mode. Christians going into the disputing mode. I, mean, I know, I know, you know, nerves are, are, are on edge. I understand that. But don't dispute. Don't murmur. Don't complain don't gripe you're robbing yourself of the blessings of god and you're hindering what god's trying to do in you 
What he wants to do is he wants to come through in fullness of power. And he'll do that if we respond right through a thankful spirit. Second thing, not only give thanks, but rejoice. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. In Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> look with me down in verse 4. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, you know, when it comes to thankfulness, which is the first thing that we said we need to do, uh, that's an act of the will where you just decide, look, whether I feel like it or not, I am just going to be thankful. I'm going to find something to be thankful for to God. But, but when it comes to rejoicing, that's a response of the Spirit. And it comes from trusting God. If you doubt uh, that God is taking care of you, if you doubt God knows what he's doing, you're not, you're not going to be able to rejoice. You're going to have a hard time rejoicing. You know, I, uh, I've told this story before, but years ago, when, when, uh, right after we had Jonathan, my, our, our, our Jonathan uh, had to, because of physical complications, he had to stay in the hospital. My wife had to go back and forth and, and, uh, and feed him and so forth. And uh, she was on one of those trips, and she was coming back home. And as she came back home, somebody ran a yield sign and smacked right into our car. We had a 1969 Chevy Malibu 350, three on the floor, four barrel, that moved like nobody's business. I remember, uh, I think it was the first time we had Sam Gipp at our, our church. I had to go pick up the car and uh, because somebody was putting new, new brakes on it or something. And, and Brother Gipp looked at that, at that car and said, ooh, he took me over. To, to pick up the car. He says, oh, she says, can I drive it home? And I said, sure, you can drive it home. Man, he drove it home like it had never been driven before. But, uh, but uh, uh, I was within walking distance of where the accident happened, and I had, I, had, I had to get an attitude adjustment from the time I left the house until the time I reached the destination of the, of the accident, and I did. And when I, when I came on to the uh, onto the scene, I, I literally was rejoicing and I and chose to do that. I started by giving thanks and then I went to, went to uh, rejoicing. And uh, God wants us to, to rejoice in him. You might not be able to rejoice in the situation you're in, but you've always got something to be happy about if you're saved. You always do because of the, the salvation that you have in Christ. So we give thanks, we rejoice, and then thirdly, we believe God's word and purposely act on it. In other words, we don't go by our feelings, we go by what thus saith the Lord. And that's what Jesus did when he was tempted. Every time the devil tempted him, he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And then his response was based upon the scriptures. Uh, what God expects us to do is to find promises, find commands in the, in the Bible when we're, when we're being tested, and then act upon them. Do it. You know what? Uh, we've been talking here recently about, about the 
the blessing that Brother Reuben Ewert was to me personally, and I know he was to our church years ago when he used to be in evangelism and came through. And, and his ministry was just so, so simple that it was profound. And, and his, his, his ministry was just simply entitled Living the Truth. In other words, take the truth that you already know and put it to practice on purpose. It says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. How are you seeking? How are you doing that? How are you putting that to practice specifically, purposefully in your life? And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to believe his word. He wants us to purposely act on it and then just simply live it by faith. Then the fourth thing that we do, after we give thanks and rejoice, believe God's word and purposefully act on it, cry out to God. Go to Psalm 50. Psalm 50. Psalm 50, look in verses 14 and 15 with me, if you would. Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15. It says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay the vows, thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Now the truth of the matter is, when we're going through tests, uh, when, we're going, when we're going through life, we just head into things that are too big for us, that are things that we can't handle, that are things that are, are way beyond our capability. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because that gives us an opportunity to cry out to our God, to cry out to our Father, and to ask Him to give us the strength and to ask Him to give us the wisdom that we need. This, you know, if, if you look at it, this coronavirus can be one of the biggest blessings in you and your family's life if you just respond right. You, you say, but we've never been here before. Listen, as a pastor, I've, I don't know how to reopen a church. I know how to open one, start one, you know, but reopen one after you've had to close it down because of a situation like, I've never been there before. Okay, you know what I need? I need help. You know what I've been saying a lot to God? Help me. <laughs> you know, really, I've, I've, I've cried out to him and said, I have to have wisdom from you. Uh, Lord, uh, I'll make a mess of this thing. But if you'll give me the wisdom and you'll give me the help, I'll, I'll follow it. So we cry out to God. Uh, trials are just simply for us to, to see our need uh, of him and depend upon him. And to cry out to him for help. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. I love this. I've used this uh, on phone messages uh, oftentimes, on, on the, the, the voicemail and so forth. It says, uh, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee uh, great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, you know, and then I've said, aren't you glad that God doesn't, doesn't put you on hold or uh, has you, forwards you to voicemail? Um, and I'm glad that he, he doesn't. It says, "Cry, call unto me, and I will answer thee. That's a promise. You call unto God, and you ask God to help you, and he will help you. That's, that's a response that we need to have. And then last of all, we need to overcome evil with good. Go with me to the book of Romans, chapter 12. 
Because oftentimes in these kind of situations, in these tests, we're confronted with evil. Or we're confronted with someone who has the wrong spirit or a wrong attitude. What our, what our tendency is, is to just push back. You know, we get pushed, push back as a, as a kid. You know, that was always my response. Somebody pushed me, I'm going to push you back. And I'll push you back a little bit harder than you pushed me in the first place. Well, that's not a biblical response. That's a fleshly response, that's for sure. But it's not a biblical one. We're to overcome evil with good. Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. It says, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Why is that? We'll go back up to verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place under wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Don't take things into your own hands. That's not your business. That's God's business. Verse 20, therefore, if an enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And then the principle is, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. You know, I've heard said years ago, uh, I, I learned the, the adage, it's never right to do wrong in order to do right. Or you could say it's never right to do wrong because you, you think you are right, or maybe you even know you are right. It's never right to do wrong. First Peter chapter 3 and verses, verses 8 and 9. First Peter 3, verses 8 and 9, finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. In other words, don't do what the flesh would be inclined to do. Overcome evil with good. Last of all, go with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 44 has been a, a verse that God has used in my life personally. It's a verse that I have been able to pass on to other people to show how to properly respond to situations where people think ill of you, people talk ill of you, people try to hurt you. Now, you know, you know what's sad? I've seen that among Christians. I, I think one of the things that probably was a real, I don't know if you call it an eye-opener or what it was, but six months after I went into the ministry, I was sitting in a church service. And right after the morning service, they had a business meeting. And I saw hatred among God's people. I, I saw critical spirits. I, 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 I saw uh, people that were agitated, mad, and angry. And whoa, I'd never seen anything like that in, in, a, in a Baptist church before. I never had. Uh, and it, it, it really, really affected me. 
Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it, it's affected me from that day to this. I will never forget that, that day. I, uh, there was a fella. In fact, my wife and I were just talking about it on our way back from Peabody. Um, his name was Steve. And uh, Steve was living for the Lord, was serving God. He was thrilled to be in that church at the time. And uh, I remember coming out of church. He had already walked out of the church, walked down the sidewalk, turned around, walked back. And as he walked back, he was just sobbing. Sob, because he'd never, I don't think he'd ever seen anything like that either. And uh, he came up to me and, and took my hand, just crying. He was destroyed. Can I tell you, Steve had mental problems from that day forward. To this day, if he's still alive, uh, my guess is he's, he's still got problems. That thing affected him so bad. And, and you know, that, 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 I don't wish that kind of experience on anybody, but, but it, it, it's good to go through those things, even though you don't like them. It's good to go through some, some of the, because it teaches you how do you respond properly in those kind of situations. What you want to do is, you know, you want your flesh to just go ahead and, and, and let loose, cut it loose and let her go. But that's wrong. That, that is not going to bring forth the righteousness of God. And, and that, that's the concept that Jesus is teaching in verse 44 of Matthew chapter 5. Uh, if you go up to, let's see. Go up to verse 43. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. He says, Love them. And then he gives you three ways to show that love. He says, instead of, instead of uh, uh, giving them evil for evil, give, him, give them good for evil, bless them, do good to them, and pray for them. Overcome evil with good. Five ways to respond to trials, to difficulties, to tribulations that God puts you through and allows you to go through in your life. And, and the response is absolutely crucial. We need to give thanks. We need to rejoice. We need to believe God's word and purposefully act upon it. We need to cry out to God and ask him for help. If any man act, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And then overcome evil with good. How do you respond to weaknesses that come into your life? How do you respond to testing? You respond right, and on the other side of the test, you'll have more power. You'll have more strength spiritually, maybe not physically. You might end up being weaker physically on the other side, but spiritually you'll be stronger than you were going into it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. And when we look at subjects like this, we're reminded once again uh, that our natural reactions are not the right ones. And Lord, we have to purposefully respond properly. Our flesh wants to respond one way and our spirit wants to respond another you, you've told us that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit 
against the flesh. Why? Because they're contrary one to the other. Uh, my flesh does not want to go in the right direction. But my spirit does if I've been saved. And uh, the Spirit of God is united with my spirit and wants to direct me in the right way. And so it's so very, very important that each of us have the right response. Might be a, a big thing that comes into our life, could be a little thing that comes into our life. But Lord, all of those things are there so that when we get, if we respond right, Lord, on the other side, we've got more power, we've got more strength. We've learned some things, and we're stronger and better Christians because of it. God, work on hearts tonight. Maybe there's someone within the sound of my voice tonight that has not responded properly to some things that you've allowed to come into his or her life. Uh, Lord, uh, maybe uh, somebody needs to work on having a thankful heart. Maybe somebody needs to work on having a rejoicing spirit. Maybe someone needs to work on overcoming evil with good instead of with a fleshly, carnal response. God, I pray that you would work on our hearts. Take the Word of God by the Spirit of God and shine the light on those dark corners that house some things, that some attitudes and maybe some actions that ought not to be there. And Lord, may we do business with you tonight. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you for what you do in and through our lives. We certainly love you, Lord. And we're thankful that you allow us to go through those testings so we can come out stronger and with more of the power and the Spirit of God on us than we had going in. Bless this invitation now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.